On today's episode, we welcome Chloe Martinez, author of Corner Shrine. Welcome to episode 42 of The Chatbook. I'm your co-host, Noah Stetzer. And I'm Ross White. Noah and I are the directors and editors at Bull City Press, which publishes chapbooks and occasionally full-length books of poetry, fiction, and nonfiction. We started this podcast to celebrate our love of chapbooks, to go behind the scenes of the publishing process, and to highlight the folks who write chapbooks and the folks who make chapbooks. So, no, I know you think it's it's weird that I'm wearing this wig, my, my big hair wig. But after talking to Amorak Huey and Todd Kaneko about Slash and Axel and Guns N' Roses, I have spent the week reliving my teens when I had the big hair. I bought this wig. Mm-hmm. Dolly Parton would be proud of this wig. <laughs> And all the Quiet Riot music playing in the background since last week, over and over. <laughs> Quiet Riot keeps coming up in our lives I this know. past week. It really is. What we're discovering is how much poets love heavy metal. Like, you know, Amorak and Todd mentioned that to us, but I, until we had some other conversations, I did not know for right. sure. It was new information for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm wondering if perhaps today's guest loves heavy metal as well. That's probably not what we're going to talk to her about. But no, why don't you bio her up so that our listeners know who she is? You bet. Today, we're really excited to welcome Chloe Martinez to the show. Martinez is a poet and scholar of South Asian religions. She's the author of the collection 10,000 Selves, which came, from, came out from WordWorks, and also the chapbook Corner Shrine from Backbone Press. Her poems and translations have appeared in Agni, Plowshares, Poetry, Perry Schooner, and elsewhere. She works at Claremont McKenna College, and as always, head over to our show notes for a full bio and for links to the items that come up in today's show. Today, we'll be discussing her chapbook, Corner Shrine, which was the winner of the Backbone Press Chapbook Prize. Welcome to the chapbook, Chloe. Hi, so good to be here. Thank you, Noah, and thank you, Ross. So, Chloe, what music have you been listening to recently? Mm. Not a lot of heavy metal. Mm. Lately, I've been listening to a band called Krungbin that I really love. And my kids have started complaining that I play it too much in the car. It's very mellow, not metally at all. But I recently watched the whole series of The Bear. And right after that, I wanted to listen to all of that kind of like oh, yeah. rock or mm-hmm. Chicago music that's in that soundtrack. There is a oh, little yeah. heavy metal in there. And I was like, this is actually really good. Yeah. I wonder if your kids when they rebel against mom when they're a little bit older and they're going to be like mom always listens to that mellow music they're going to be like huge metalheads probably that's probably in their future yeah i will send you this wig i'm wearing and you can gift it to one of them and become the cool mom no you're probably the cool mom already alternate days (laughs) well i want to talk about corner shrine we have been dying to talk to you for, gosh, for the, like the last year, really since Corner Shrine came out. As you know, we're big fans of Crystal Simone Smith, the publisher at Backbone Press. And I love this book. I, obviously, you know, I've been seeing some of these poems for a while because you've been a longtime participant in the grind. And am I correct in thinking some of the earliest poems from Corner Shrine showed up in the grind anthology? 
Yes. And in fact, there's a sort of long sequence poem in there. And that was all from the grind. And some of those were in the grind anthology. And yeah, the grind is my favorite thing. And I've been missing it in recent years when my kids and work have made it seem impossible. But I get those emails in every month. I'm like, maybe I could grind again. It's going to happen someday. And for listeners who don't know what the grind is, I realized that we just started talking about grinding. <laughs> so the, gr- the grind is a, an exercise that all three of us have participated in. Chloe, I think you started in like maybe 2008, 2009, where you write a poem a day every day for a month. Uh, or when you're doing prose, you write something every day for a month. But who knows how those fiction writers work? Am I right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you send it to a group. There's no feedback. It's not a workshop. It's just an accountability group. So, Chloe, I'm fascinated. As you know, on the show, we love talking about chapbooks when they have a relationship with a full-length book. And your first full-length, The 10,000 Selves, came out about a year after the chap. And I think it's fair to say that they are spiritually very connected and yet, if you look through the specifics of the table of contents, there's a lot of difference there. We talked to us a little bit about the process of how Corner Shrine came together, where it sort of sat in the process of putting together your full length book, and maybe how it changed your full length book once it came out. Yes, absolutely. These two books are very closely related, and they did sort of talk to each other as they were, they were being born. Corner Shrine is entirely made up of poems about India, and I'm a scholar of South Asia, spent a lot of time in India in the past, and wrote a lot of poems about it. But then I had kids, and I stopped spending time in India. I haven't been there in a lot of years. For a while, I was waiting for the kids to be old enough, and then I was busy working, and then there's been a pandemic. So I had initially started to put together a collection that I thought would sort of have this India thing as its central thread, and then I... I stopped writing those poems and I moved on to new poems and it didn't feel like the central thread anymore. And I spent a lot of time trying to work through drafts of my full-length manuscript in which I wasn't sure how to integrate those India poems with other poems that were about motherhood or California or my family, other things I was concerned with. You know, And I had one draft where I sort of still tried to, to keep the India poems sep- central, but it felt a little bit forced because I think there just weren't weren't enough of they weren't the majority of the poems anymore they they weren't actually my central concern in the book anymore i had a draft where i made just a section that was the india poems and then that was very goofy that was like and now we go to india then we'll come <laughs> back to california it was a terrible structure so as i was putting together my full length collection over many years and sending it out and rethinking it that little problem kept hanging on and when i finally decided well my full length isn't being picked up yet. And it, maybe it hasn't find, it found its shape. Maybe I'm like a chapbook out of just the India poems and give them their own space. That was really helpful for me because it let the India poems do their thing. It let the rest of my manuscript sort of be freed from that problem. And there are a lot of the poems from Corner Shrine appear in 10,000 Selves, but there are also a bunch of poems in Corner Shrine that are not in 10,000 Selves because I didn't felt I no longer had to include every India poem, it just became sort of one thread among others. And another thing that I I like about the relationship between these two books is I do have this little series poem about past lives, which is a poem that I wrote long ago, over many days of a grind. And that appears in a longer form in Corner Shrine, where I made it a whole section. And then 
I took just some parts of it and made them into a shorter poem in 10,000 cells because I think it didn't need that much space in the in the bigger book. Am I correct in thinking that in 10,000 selves, the sections that are included, there are actually some sections that were not in Corner Shrine? You know, I have to check now and see. You probably are right. Yeah, I brought receipts, Chloe. You have receipts. <laughs> there are more sections of this poem that appear in either book. And yeah, I've got eight of them in Corner Shrine, which are not the same as the what? six or five or six that are in 10,000 cells, something like that. Yeah, there's that. a little overlap, but I, I actually kind yeah. of loved that because when I got to 10,000 cells, I hit that poem, the title's been changed to reflect the number of sections. And so I thought, oh, okay, well, you know, I've, I've read these before. And then I think the first one was the same. And then it was a, a brand new poem. And I just thought, oh, my hat is off to you. Because <laughs> when you're familiar with and you love a chapbook, and then you start to see that work again in a in a full length to have it surprise you by the way in which it's changed and grown is such a delight. Thank you for noticing that. It is it's four sections only in the collection. See, I don't even remember what I've written here. And you know, that's all thanks to the grind. That was really that poem in many sections was born out of that necessity of producing a new thing every day when I was really having trouble producing and I just started this weird little voice that was sort of like love songs to inanimate objects at first. And then I then I thought maybe it was fables. I think I have versions maybe in in that anthology, they might be called fables. And then I decided they were past lives. So I'm, I'm really struck. It, it almost sounds like Corner Shrine liberated you from some early idea of what 10,000 selves needed to be or was going to be. And I wonder if you'd talk a little bit more about that that feeling of liberation after the chap became its own thing. Yes, absolutely. I think Corner Shrine did liberate me, but also Corner Shrine is maybe a function of a moment when I sort of felt a new kind of liberation in the way I was writing. So I think when I was in graduate school and, you know, I was doing I did a, an MFA, or it was a master's at the time, at Boston University, and then I was in the MFA for writers at Warren Wilson. And Warren Wilson, the Warren Wilson years overlapped with me completing my PhD in South Asian religion. So I was trying to do all these things at once that were all very intense and demanding. And I think I felt in that period that my poems needed to be like about these intense, demanding, serious topics that I, if I was in India, I had to make a whole book about India that there had to be something new and exciting enough for poetry, you know, for my poems to be kind of worthy. I, and I really wasn't writing about everyday stuff so much at that time. And I really felt pretty blocked. After the end of Warren Wilson, I, I really didn't write very much. I was doing the grind and I was getting these little bits of poems out, but I was also in the midst of a lot of life stuff. And I was a new mom and I just felt like very stuck. And then I moved to Claremont, California because my husband got a job here, had my second daughter. And I had this sort of like, I don't know if it was California or what it was, just being in a new spot. I suddenly felt very liberated to write about my messy house or walking around my neighborhood with my baby or about my family, things that I had previously maybe discounted as not worthy of poetry. So I think I had this, this period of opening myself up to writing about my own very ordinary 
sometimes really tiny, like local experience. And in doing so, I started producing all these poems that moved beyond the India poems. And so that was the liberation that also like gave me the little push to say, it's okay to make, you know, this India poem thing is maybe not a full length collection. Maybe it's a chapbook and maybe it can live there. And maybe it is okay to have a full length collection, which is partly about being a mom or, you know, partly about going to the beach, <laughs> about things that I didn't think were were urgent or of interest to anyone but me for a long time. And then I realized they were urgent, right? And they, the everyday, of course, is a way of talking about really urgent things, why we make art, what we're here for, how we're related to our communities and the wider world. So those things all happened in kind of overlapping way, I think. And also during that time, you know, I started to send out the full length again. I felt very frustrated that I couldn't get the full length published. So when I made that chapbook and the chapbook got picked up, that was really a little bump. Okay, I can move forward. And then the full length was accepted for publication just a few months after the chapbook, very happily. You've talked about in an interview, I think at Eco, about that dry spell that you went through and then like a light switch going off after you went to a reading. And part of what started happening after the switch went off was you started finding literary community. And I wonder if you talk a little bit about that, because I think a lot of our listeners and myself included can totally understand and appreciate the feeling of kind of going through a dry spell and needing some sort of circumstance to jumpstart the whole idea again. Yes. My little light switch moment was going to this reading of Denez Smith and Ross Gay, which was, they were poets I didn't even know at the time. And it was the reading that was happening down the street from me. And it was this magical piece of luck that it just felt like possibility again. But yes, I had been living in Philadelphia before I moved to California. And in the last couple months in Philly, I'd started more actively reaching out to other poets. Still, Ruba Ahmed lived nearby, which was so great. She was so warm and, and supportive in just saying, come over for coffee. We could talk about poems, you know, come be in a reading, which was amazing. Yeah. The nicest person on the planet right the there. The nicest <laughs> person on the planet. So, you know, I just hadn't had that for so long. I'd been in Santa Barbara where I'd been oriented toward my PhD program and I just didn't know any poets. I started to sort of think more about how I needed to work toward being part of literary communities in Philly. And then we had to move. So as soon as I got to Claremont, I sort of said to myself, like, even with a new baby, even with the constraints of life, I need to reach out to poets, go to readings, find a way to be connected. I started, you know, volunteering as a reader for a little while on a literary magazine and writing poetry book reviews and all of that stuff that I really had maybe hadn't had time before, but I also hadn't actively made the time. Right. And that made a huge difference for me. That's great. Those are the kinds of things that I, I try to fall back on again and again when I find myself sort of coming up empty. I hope I don't want to be too awkward in this transition, but I'm really excited to hear something from the collection. I was hoping maybe you'd read a poem from your chapbook for us to hear. Yes, I would love to. I just talked so much about these past lives poems, so maybe I'll read just two sections of this one. I, I, the whole thing would be long. So this is in the chat book. It's an eight, eight part poem, eight past lives as I recall them. I'm going to read just two of them. Part three, the killer. You were 500 ants 
a black column winding across the kitchen wall, pooling like ink in the trash can if ink were alive. You were looking for water as you, or some other 500 ants, always do in the heat in September. I was the woman with the spray bottle of Windex, I'm sorry, in the middle of the night, 500 black specks you scattered in a panic, subsided, died. The bottle leaked somehow, bleach smell strong on my hands for hours. I was ruthless. I left all your dead bodies stuck to the wall for the new scouts to find. And then I'm going to read one more section of this, section five, the sun. You were a camera aimed at a baby who lay on a blanket in the grass, making baby sounds, looking up at blue sky and shapes that were branches, although the baby didn't know yet what branches were. Your job was to fit all this into your rectangle, catch the light, just so convey a sense of late summer warmth, of unwatched clocks, gardens. You looked and looked. I was the sun, shining through the wrought iron table so that patterned shade fell across the baby's face like rippling water. I was strong that day. I threw the whole scene into high contrast. Some things, I said, are beyond your capturing. That's lovely. Chloe, it's time for the quick round. We've got five quick questions that deserve quick answers. Question number one, what is a chapbook that you just love? A chapbook that I recently read and just loved is this cool little book by my friend Genevieve Kaplan. It's called I Exit the Hallway and Turn Right. It's from Above Ground Press. Ooh, we'll get a link to that in the show notes. And it's a little kind of handmade, hand-stapled, really neat experimental long poem. All right, Chloe, next question. What's the weirdest snack food that you like? That's a hard question. I am obsessed with Trader Joe's Snap Pea Crisps, which I feel like are junk food disguised as healthy food. Number three, what's your favorite indie bookstore? You know, I just did a reading at Grolier Poetry Bookstore in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I love that store. It's so tiny, and it's packed with poetry, and it is soulful. Number four, if you could live your life as an animal, what animal would that be? Ooh, my my six-year-old asks me this question all the time. My latest answer has been an otter. So I could sleep on my back in the water and eat at the same time. I did not know otters can do that. Okay, you just blew my mind. Question number five, where can folks find you online? They can find me at www.chloeavmartinez.com or on Twitter at Chloe Poets. As always, you can find all of that information in the show notes. In the meantime, if you're already subscribed to The Chatbook, be sure to tell all your friends. Let them know we're on all the pod places. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Bull City Press, or visit our website, BullCityPress.com. You can find me on Twitter, at DC Noah. You can find me, at Ross White. If you have a moment, send us your ideas, questions, or suggestions to chatbook at BullCityPress.com. This episode of The Chatbook was produced and edited by Molly Hart. Thank you, Chloe Martinez, for being a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time. 